Well, hello everybody. My name is Trish Jenkins and I am here with Laray Kwai. And we are beaming out to LinkedIn to my Facebook. Now, while I'm here, I've got my Facebook page, but I'm also going to click on here so that it goes to when I get to it. So when it starts, I'll click it and so it goes to my personal page. And it's also going to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Trish Jenkins. And I would invite you to go to those places and please like, share, comment, uh, and um, you know, just get it out there because we have got a really special guest today. And Laray Kwai, I don't, Laray, do you remember how we met? Because you've interviewed me before, I just don't know. Maybe it was in, um, uh, maybe it was to do with speakers or maybe it was to do with LinkedIn. I don't know, but I remember we just clicked. And uh, when we did. Years ago, I think. It was quite a few because you and I remember the office and where we were. But look, what's really exciting is that Lorraine is an FBI agent. Well, she has, she was an FBI agent and she now shares the principles, the teaching that she received in order to teach other people how to be mentally stronger. And uh, so we're going to find out a bit more about uh, her background, maybe some stories or two, and, uh, and also what that training looked like, what we can learn from that that can help us to be mentally tough because she's all about mental toughness. Now, while I'm here, if you want to check out her uh, website, we've got uh, laraequai.com. That's L-A-R-A-E-Q-U-Y.com. But don't be distracted by that because we've got a lot to get through today. So, Lorraine, please tell us how, about what you would normally tell people about about getting into the FBI, what that was like, and and how exciting it might. Have. Well, we think it's exciting. Maybe it wasn't, but I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> Trish, first of all, I'm really happy to be here, and thank you for asking me to be your guest. Um, I loved being in the FBI. Uh, it was tough and it was challenging, but it was also very rewarding. And um, it's interesting because one of the things the FBI really liked about me was that I grew up on a remote cattle ranch in the middle of Wyoming. And for us, fast food was hitting a deer 60 miles an hour. But the thing about a cattle ranch is that there is no room for whining and making excuses for yourself because hundreds of head of cattle depend on your ability to get the job done. And you just don't say, oh, wow, that's too hard or, or you know, it's too cold or whatever because their lives are dependent <laughs> upon you. And so uh, I learned early that uh, a flexible and agile mindset is essential to survival. Wow, that's so good. So it was actually on the farm because the, the, the cattle have to be taken care of, don't they? Yeah, it was actually a, a fairly sized ranch in the middle of Wyoming. So, and I only say that because um, it just made, we have rough winters. They're cold and, and the cattle need to be fed. They need to be watered. Often we'd have to uh, drive miles to get to uh, our cattle. So um, I think when the, when the FBI interviewed me, um, I think they really liked the fact that I didn't grow up spoiled and entitled, you know, right. I knew how to tackle problems. And uh, I can tell you about my first day, if you want. Uh, I love to. Tell us about that. 
um, memorable in many ways for me, uh, some good, some not so good. Um, but the very first day, uh, we took our initial physical fitness test. And I will say in all humility, I was the 1% that makes the other 99% possible. I had thrown 50 pound bales of hay around. I had saddled my horse. That's, that saddles probably 40 or 50 pounds by itself. I done yeah. all those things, but push-ups were very, very difficult for me. So uh, it was tough. Um, it was because it, the first day everyone stood up and introduced themselves, right? And I had worked at a department store before I, um, as a buyer at a department store before I entered the FBI. And there was the first day this guy over here said he was um, with the Marines and he had just got back from a, uh, a dangerous mission in, in North Africa. And then another one was a lawyer uh, that took on, you know, a mob in New York. And then another guy stood up and said, you know, yeah, he was a former police officer who had survived a shootout and when i said i was a buyer at a fancy department store they all just kind of looked at the <laughs> that had accidentally gotten into the fbi so training was hard i can't pretend it wasn't and there were many times i wanted to quit but i also knew the fbi um literally just represented values that i wanted to live by that's so awesome so take us forward into give us a couple of stories about when uh, you really had to use some grit and resilience or you know something to do with your undercover stuff um hmm, yeah well i could tell you about my first undercover assignment as well yeah um, the firsts are always so memorable but i it was my first office and a guy and a squad next to me was working undercover against a um a organized crime gang and he needed you know kind of a girlfriend to go with him to this barbecue so i left my badge and gun at home took a fake id um we showed up and uh everyone was really nice at first and i had to go into the, the i had to get more sunscreen because i'm very light complected right and so i went into the bedroom where they had taken our handbags and i saw two women huddled around a nightstand with items on it and I looked and my handbag was one of them. And when I reached in to get the sunscreen, um, I could see that they had searched my bag because the zipper was open. I could tell they'd been searching it. But at the same time, uh, there were two women and then three guys followed me into that room and then they closed the door. I had no idea where the undercover agent that I was with, the UCA that I had come with was. I didn't know where it was, where he was or how it was going at his end, but it was pretty obvious that they wanted to know more about me. I mean, that was the reason that they had closed the door and started asking me, you know, why are you with that guy? And how did you meet him? And why are you here? Um, and, you know, I, I thought they might think I was law enforcement, but maybe even worse that I was with a rival gang. I thought they oh. would hesitate to hurt, you know, a, a, a law enforcement, but they have no problem hurting a member of a, of a rival gang. And uh, it was just one of those kind of moments where <laughs> I just leaned into who I am. So I tell you, I didn't try to BS them one darn bit because I, I needed to get out of that room unharmed. And so when they asked me where I came from, I was very honest. I told them all about the ranch in Wyoming and how I wanted to get away while I could, while I was in school. And it just so happened one of the small, a small blonde woman who 
was the initial one in the room said just sort of started nodding and said i know what you mean i come from kansas you know kansas and that's why i'm here and i'm going oh we bonded you know i knew she was speaking from a point of um truth and so was i in a way we i i I, I told them everything about me, except that I worked for the FBI. Uh, I was very authentic about who I was and what was important to me. And at some point, it, the guys look, were the most intimidating, but it was the little blonde woman who called shots because she went over to the door and she opened it up to signal it was over. And um, I survived. <laughs> but I tell you, and it was because I was authentic. I didn't try to be somebody I wasn't. But the UCA, on the other hand, um, they had put a hit out on him. We learned a few days later, and the FBI jerked him out of that operation and transferred him to another part of the country. Right. And what's the UCA? Undercover agent. Oh, okay. So, yeah, okay. Cool. Because I can yeah. imagine, you know, when you're in that room and you know that they're suspicious of you, I can imagine the heart racing, but you would mm -hmm. also need to be watching your own expressions so and i imagine you would be trained in that sort of thing too but because you'd be thinking you know like my face is a dead giveaway you know <laughs> i can't be thinking it would be written all over me <laughs> that, uh, that that that's you know yeah before anybody goes um into undercover work, uh, we go back to Quantico, Virginia, and the Marine Corps base there, which is where our academy is at. And uh, they go through the behavioral science unit to put you through a series of tests, psychological tests, personality tests. And they, they pretty much uh, draw a, a fairly accurate um, profile of who you are. And like me, for example, they just said, you know, you can do short bursts, but nothing long-term because relationships are really important to you. I mean, that's not going to work where you're isolated somewhere. I mean, I remember uh, another undercover operation I was in and I, I so longed to be with the guys in the morning and having a cup of coffee on the, with the squad that I'd come into the office and my supervisor said, you really shouldn't be here, should you? And I'm like, I know, but I miss the camaraderie. And so mm -hmm. those are the kinds of things that um, it was a self-awareness. I understand what you're saying about we're trained to do certain things, but actually the biggest strength was the fact that they encouraged us and gave us the tools of self-awareness. Because yeah. I, I'm going to say right now, um, you try to be somebody, the only time I ran into trouble working undercover was when I tried to be somebody I wasn't. So I'm just, I'm going to be honest with you, uh, very seldom. And I know you see movies and you read books about people who put on disguises. And those are the easy things that you can change whatever title or whatever you want, but who you are is very difficult to change. And if you do, you really run the risk of people just seeing right through you because people are not that stupid to be truthful. They'll, they'll pick no, it up. No, you'd come across as inauthentic and there'd be an inconsistency there. Now, what has really interested me in what you've said is, you know, I would have thought, I'm sure that the FBI is very careful in who they choose to start with, but what encourages me is that you've said, you know, it, it seems to me that they go with, you don't have to have a cookie cutter personality or character type or cleverness to be eligible to have the resilience that they want you to have like they want you to have a certain amount of mental toughness to start with but then it sounds like that they work with 
your particular style. So one person's type of mental toughness is different to another person's type. Different things trigger different people. And so it sounds like what they've done is looked at each type of person as, as with you and said, okay, you're better in this situation, but not in that one. Now, why that encourages me is that sometimes people think, well, how can I be mentally tough? I just don't have what it takes. But, you know, you and I both talk to people about mental toughness. Well, yours is mental toughness, mine's resilience, similar theme. Um, and we don't have to have a certain genetic makeup. It has a bit to do with it, but there are certain things that we can learn. So I'm very interested to hear from you about the sorts of things that they gave, they taught people to help them become, like you said, self-awareness. Talk to me a little bit more about self-awareness. Well, I will say um, to answer, you know, answer your question about um, training and looking at everybody differently. I would say that the 16 weeks at the FBI Academy was such an exercise. Um, and at first I just thought <laughs> I joined a bunch of sadists or something, uh -huh. uh, but that it was, it was the job of each instructor to push each one of us into a discomfort zone. And that's yeah. what the entire 16 weeks was about. And for some people it was firearms. I mean, you know, I was actually a very good shot, um, but but others weren't. Uh, we had three areas. One was um, firearms proficiency. The other was legal. You had to know the federal statutes with, that you were uh, sworn to protect, and then the physical fitness. And so, uh, because of that spectacular performance on the first day uh, at the academy, they knew right away where my weak spot was, and that was physical fitness, right? And that is so, so Everybody had an area. It's great. And hi, Gillian, Gillian or Gillian uh, Goldman from South Africa. Yeah, I'm finding it interesting as well. So it's great to have you on. Thank you. For hi, Gillian. Um, so, for example, I will just say, and, and I can only speak my own personal experiences, but like I said, each instructor made it their goal in their dry little hearts to push people into their discomfort zone. So right. um, the physical fitness requirements at the academy was to jump off of a diving board about 20 feet up while holding an M16 and then swim to the other side of the pool with the weapon. Uh, and I had two problems uh, and they didn't even know about this, but I didn't know it until I got up there, but I'm afraid of heights, which I really didn't know until I stood up there. And the second thing was I had never learned how to swim. I mean, you know, oh. at a cattle ranch in Wyoming, I just never, I never, you know, cement ponds were not very common. So, um, and as everybody, every, I waited, I was the last because first of all, alphabetically, and then first, and then I said, oh, why don't you go ahead and meet to the guy? I said, why don't you go ahead? And of course it just, it, 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 it was just got worse and worse. And I, I was just certain that if I took a step off of that diving board, I would die. I drowned, I'd die. But I also knew, knew that if I didn't take that step, my dream of becoming an FBI agent would be the thing to die. So at that point, my determination to become an agent was greater than my fear of water or heights. Um, and sort of instinctively, all at once when I was up there, I, 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 I had to look at the positive in my situation, right? Because I really was scared to death. I, I can't 
describe it any other way. So the first thing I thought is, you know, I had never heard of a new agent drowning. And I was pretty sure that was info that would have circulated in the hallways pretty quickly. Um, I knew that the FBI would not want the lawsuit that my parents would launch against them if I did drown. Uh, My coach was an excellent swimmer. I had on a life jacket. And the most important thing, Trish, and this is what really goes back to, it goes back to everything really, is I was certain that the FBI was my path forward. You know, so we're back to values, honesty and integrity. Uh, They're embedded in the way we think and they do influence the choices we make. So I took the step and I jumped, I bounced back and pretty much crawled to the other side of the pool. It wasn't pretty, but I made it. Okay, now look, this is interesting because that's a whole lot of things that you thought, but you would have been thinking those in a split second or at least in a very short space of time. And you could have focused on the panicky feeling and be, and had that because what you focus on magnifies you could you would have had the butterflies I expect you would have had the heart racing and the breathing like what's going to happen but in the time that I, I expect it would be in the time that you were waiting in line while the other people were going that's when your your self-talk your remind so you are consciously and no. deliberately speaking to yourself no, no. no. That, panic set in no, as I stood there and waited and let the guy behind me go ahead, that's when I was wrestling with the panic. I mean, it just got to the point I could feel my heartbeat. I knew I was going to drown. I I, I, I was petrified. Okay. It wasn't until I actually started to move forward. And as they say, um, to increase safety, move toward the threat. Uh, and, and that's always been the sort of the mantra, move closer to it. And when I got... Say that again. Steps, say that again to increase, increase safety, safety move toward the threat move and it may that it may mean physically moving forward or mentally embracing it but the more you shirk the bigger the threat gets and uh, the, the the better to face a challenge it's better if you get closer to what the challenge is because it's only when you get closer can you find ways around it over it under it whatever the obstacle is so it really wasn't until i got closer uh yeah increased safety move toward the threat when i got up on the on the i took the steps i don't even remember i was so scared but when i got up there i looked down and uh, i mean nobody had drowned and in, in the, the, so the positive, I, it was at that moment where I was like, okay, I have to, in just a split second, I have to realize no one's drowned. The coaches were there. They could save me. They'd given me a life jacket because they knew I couldn't yeah. swim. I mean, and I just knew this was the, this, but this was what was pivotal, Trish. I knew that the FBI was my path forward. That was what, that was the juice that gave me that literal push off the diving board. Uh, and, and again, I always come back to, um, you know, it's, it's, if you're not doing something that is important to you, you will shirk back from the obstacle or the threat in front of you. You, you you won't know how to move forward because you're so afraid that you're just shrinking back, you know, and that's, that's not mental toughness. That's not mental toughness. Oh, when you shrink back. Yeah. That's true. And I, I really like that when that that as you move forward. And there's something about the movement, isn't there? There's something about taking steps that that as you actually making yourself do something that that changes what your brain is focusing on. I found when when I was in court 
And uh, well, I, I found, because um, as people may or may not know, I spent eight months in prison, but it took a few years to get to that point. And it was the fear of what would happen, the anticipation and the waiting that was so much more frightening than when it actually happened. Mm-hmm. So when, when I got the sentence and I was going to go to prison, there was like a relief and things started moving that, that, okay, things are progressing. I can get a handle on this now. I can start processing. So that's something, you know, when you feel frightened and, and that inertia sets in and you, you feel like you can't move to actually say, okay, what can I do? Let's move one foot in front of the other. Even to do something physical to get you distracted. That's brilliant. I, to, to increase safety, move towards the threat. Uh, I'm, I don't know how that plays out when there's actual physical danger. Is it the same or, or do you just run? No, you don't run. It de- well, it depends. I mean, it, again, it depends why you're there. Now, yeah. I, I got to tell you something. If you're, if you're um, after, a, and, and this has happened to to me as well. The the person you're after is uh, has been involved in kitty porn and abducting uh, kids. My first arrest, believe it or not, just like the firsts are always the things you remember, right? But my yes. first arrest. Uh, sure. I was not the one scheduled to make the arrest. It was, it was all planned out that the FBI SWAT guys were going to do it. But we were in a car. We were going to make a car stop. We hit heavy traffic. The case agent was in the driver's seat. I was just a trainee, actually, at that time. I had graduated. I had my gun um, from the academy, I mean. And so we, we, we just drove right up next to him. And it was I'm going, oh, sh- holy crap, this is not the plan. But it, it was like, I couldn't run. I mean, I could have, I could have. I said, oh my God, he's he's huge. Uh, and I, I've never this, I've never made a real arrest before. I could have done that. But this is a guy that we wanted off the streets in a really bad way. And so again, you just, you, you move toward. The th- so I looked at him, I, first thing I did is I took off my ray jacket. I pulled my sweater over my gun. Um, I got out of the car. We were in at a bit of stoplight and I just tapped on his window and I kind of smiled and he kind of smiled back and I said, why don't you roll down the window? And he did. And then I said, FBI, you're under arrest. And he was like, and his car just jo- lurched into the intersection and stalled. But I just stayed with him with my gun, just pointed at him. And I'm going, holy crap, I just hope that these SWAT guys are coming soon. But if not, I was prepared. You know what I mean? I just I opened the door. Now, the way we're trained to do it is that you pull him out of the car, you throw him to the ground, and you slap on the handcuffs, right? I mean, that's how you're trained in the academy. I knew I could do, do any of that stuff with him. But uh, as long as I had the gun, I ha- and I had... He was just so surprised. It just wasn't what he was expecting. So, uh, so no, you, you, you can run. Uh, and and if and there's an attacker after you, I would suggest running fast. But <laughs> if it's something that is important to you, that is part of your job, just because it yeah. scares you, um, don't shirk from it. You'll learn something about yourself in that whole process, you know? Right, and we can apply those principles to things like asking for a raise, Mm -hmm. you know, or if there's something that's difficult that, or even asking for help, you know, we can be afraid to ask for help because we think it makes us look like we're incompetent. Um, But if we do, and what if we do and we get help? What if we don't and we don't get help? You know, we, we have to be brave 
and not try and prejudge how other people are going to react. Yeah. Well, sometimes you don't know how brave you are until you are find yourself in the situation. And if you keep running from it, you'll never know how brave you are because all you'll know about yourself is that you give up and run when things get hard. And a lot of people are experiencing hard things and hard things can come in a lot of different shapes whether they're um you know whether they're uh, arrest stories or whether it's a, a mother-in-law I mean, there've been some ugly stories there too i'm just saying uh if if we're me mental toughness is i tell you let me define mental toughness mental toughness is believing that you will prevail in your circumstances rather than believing your circumstances will change Right? Wow. Now well, hang you, on, that's uh, really good. That's really yeah. good. I want to pause there. And Carolyn, you are right. These are great stories and I, I bet we could just keep going and talk all day about the different stories. Um because there's an application for every principle that that that's what stories are about. They show right. that what is moving. So so I want to emphasize what you just said which was about believing believing in ourselves in our and our ability would would you like to say that again yes toughness yeah. believing that we will prevail in our circumstances rather than believing our circumstances will change and that's wow. that fits a lot of us right now our situations are not ideal um they're probably not going to change if they do it'll be down the road uh and it, even then when they do change it may not look quite the same but it's just having that confidence in yourself. But I have to say Trish, I would encourage all your viewers not to wait until a threat confronted with a threat or a, a situation, but to continually put yourself in situations where you know you might fail. I call it a petri dish, but I really think everybody needs a petri dish. You know, it's that it's that bowl of of stuff where it might work, it might not work, but the key to trying something new that it's going to intentionally put you place you outside your comfort zone is that if you do fail you'll know how it feels and you'll know your response because that's self-awareness um a lot of people something goes wrong they kind of have a melt into a, a pity puddle and and you know and that's it but but don't be that person i mean it's your choice but experiment too i mean you can build your mental toughness that's something you can do i really like that that's it's like uh you know you would start off with things that that the consequences of the failure are not that and are, are not that great that it's it really doesn't matter if you don't quite make it work um so you can build that up and build that tolerance and get that desensitization to to those negative feelings i love that um yeah. got um You've you know, got... Trish, one thing you don't, I think, uh, this would be my advice to folks, what you don't want to do is is be surprised by your response. Right. Because right. that's how emotions sabotage us. Because something, you know, doesn't happen the way we want it to happen, and then we're surprised by our response, by we want to choose our response rather than simply react. And so that's, you know, that's those are, those are the building blocks for mental toughness. Yeah, and and it's like it, not just being surprised by our response, but being surprised that anything unfair in life has happened to us. It's like, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe I I got sick. 
or I can't believe, you know, that, that um, you know, that I got laid off from work. It's like, you I know, know. Our, our expectations can set us up for for shock and disappointment but when you know that life is constantly changing and that it's and that we need to be adaptable then when those changes come we won't have a surprised response so that we can more powerfully choose our responses i love that that's great i will say you know i'm a positive thinker and i advocate you have to be a positive thinker to be mentally tough but i will also say this uh no uh arrest no fbi arrest was ever organized assuming everything would go according to plan we always <laughs> planned how things could go wrong and you, you know we do all this preparation we don't want it to happen it's not like we're negative people but uh it's always a good idea to have a back door you know it's there's a great line in the Iger sanction I don't know it's a great Clint Eastwood movie and the and it was this thing where he said you know what do we do if we can't make it and the, and one guy said I think it's cowardly to not have a backup you know to have to backup plan and Clint Eastwood said well it's stupid not to have a backup plan because things don't always go according to the no, way no they don't it, it's it's so true you you've, you've got it's like you, you can be positive but being positive doesn't mean you don't cater for reality and that's that Stockdale principle as well isn't it that where um he said you know it was that that expecting thing you, you're hopeful for a good outcome but you're prepared for it not to be the way that you think yeah. it should be yeah you know we've got to have that flexibility it's like that book who moved my cheese yes you definitely got I read that book just before everything went kaput in my life and um it was just so helpful like and I've never yeah. forgotten it that was 15 years ago <laughs> and then our cheese was moved big time but you know what I've, I've discovered that everybody gets a turn yeah and they that's do. why really important mm -hmm. you know you might you might not be chasing bad guys in the FBI you might not um trust the wrong person and end, end up in prison like I did <laughs> but stuff happens to everyone and you don't have to go to prison to feel trapped so how you prepare for responses and and this year has been a tough year next year will be just as tough people have here's a here's a good thing. people have this expectation that tw when 2020 is over the whole COVID thing will be over like like someone's told the virus that come the end of december you're out of here and that's only a few weeks away so yeah. there are going to be some very disappointed people who when they realize that they've still got to do it now is the time to be building the time to build resilience and to get mentally tough as now um the best time was earlier <laughs> but it's now it's and never too late it's never too late no but you've got to make that decision straight away speaking of which what i would like to draw people's attention to is that yes please listen to this interview again uh, or listen to it later but i do want to draw people's attention to your website again lorraykwai.com because loray has got two books out and uh or is it three? Oh, no, that's two. the assessment you've done and you have yeah. an assessment people can take to see how mentally tough they are and i took that assessment and i i came out pretty much exactly as i thought i would i thought you did um, quite well well, I did, and, and I actually think I, I probably was a bit, I think, 
the way I, I answered some questions, I think I was a bit tough on myself. I think I'm, I'm, I'm actually better than what I used to be. But no, I did. And, and that's because of all this training that I do. Things like, you know, with your books and talking to you and, and other things. So um, how to build a strong mind, secrets of a strong mind. That's your latest one, isn't it? Yes, the red yeah. one. So, but both are good. Now, mental, the white one, mental toughness for women leaders, uh, 52 tips. There's one for every week. Yes. So there's a book there that people can grab and that's for women. But I'm, I'm guessing that the middle one, Secrets of a Strong Mind, How to Build Inner Strength, Overcome Life's Obstacles, that's not just for women, is it? Neither one really are for women, just for women. Um, uh, I, I, I lay, my publisher wanted it, uh, felt that it would be a stronger message coming from a woman to women leaders. But actually, uh, I, I've given that book to a lot of guys too, and they, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's people. It's it's the brain, yeah. how we respond. It's being positive in the middle of a negative situation. So. Um, so both, but both of them are available on Amazon, I think Barnes and Noble, wherever yep. you sh shop. Right. Well, be sure to go to Lorraine Kwai's website and uh, the links are on there to get the books, but there's also the assessment. Um, and she has got, I spent some time reading some blogs and it's really sound. In fact, what I like is that, uh, like me you really want to get to the grit of it and the application it's it's look any psychologist will tell you um you know breathe eat better get get more sleep uh and think happy thoughts <laughs> well those are good things to do they're good things to do but why i have Lorraine on here and what i pursue is okay all right that's that's fine but what's the nitty gritty things that we can do to arrest our thoughts, retrain how we think so that we can be stronger? I'm not a hard hearted person. I can't be Clint Eastwood in every situation. It's not who I am. So I've got to work with compassion in my heart and the pain that I feel when I'm with someone who's hurting and actually see that as a strength and not, not what I've had to learn is boundaries. And that's been a, a, a good lesson. And I think that's, most of us are like the rest of us. You know, we're not Clint Eastwood. We're not, you know, really these hard people. And uh, resilience doesn't, actually resilience isn't hard. It's malleable. It, it, it's about having a bit of give and, and um, adapting, isn't it? So it's not that we're cold and unfeeling. How would you expand on that? Well, I think you're right, Trish. Uh, when a lot of us hear words like mental toughness and strong mind, uh, we think about how to bulldoze our way through yeah. obstacles and, and problems. And, you know, then that might work in football, but it, it's not going to work in, in real life. Because there's a big difference between a strong mind and just plain stubbornness, uh, mm. which I think th there's a... You know, you talk about bulldozing your way. It's like, I'm going to keep going no matter what. Well, what is, at some point, it's just being stubborn. And, and I, there's a there's an easy way, really, to, to, to pull those two apart. A strong mind is um, rooted in results. And it's an I can philosophy. However I need to adapt, I can do that. Stubbornness, on the other hand, is rooted in ego and, and in I'm right 
kind of philosophy. So even though things have changed, I am right, and I'm going to continue this path forward.、Uh, and 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 really, it's the it's the flexible mindset,、uh, its ability to control emotions and、uh, our thoughts, and then our behaviors in ways that will set us up for success.、Um, you know, you know people with a strong mind, they 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 persevere. They just persevere. So powerful. What you've just said, what we've just covered. Is something that most people miss because、mm. you know even with、um, you know super achieving goal setting, this is like never say die. We're just going to you know win at all costs, and you know I mean how many families have been destroyed by the wayside when some in in someone's pursuit of of gain of you know to be the king of the world and and you know number one in their sales team and and and. You know, they might make it to the top, but they're all there. They're there all by themselves,、um, or or they have a team that does everything they want, but they're afraid of them. Or they don't、because、get they, there at all because they don't adapt. I yeah. Mean, and, and we're talking a situation now in every part of the world where things are just changing, and、yes. and like you said earlier, you know, oh, when night when twenty twenty one comes around, everything will be back to the way it was. Well, it's not going to be back to the way it was. The world is not、yeah. going to be the same. Does that mean it's bad? Not necessarily. It's just going to be different. That means we have to find ways to adapt and and be flexible in our thinking and maybe. Maybe a little bit more agile, you know, agile in the way right, we look at our、right. problems. That's right. I mean, you know, we don't make cassettes anymore, but records are making a resurgence. So, you know, the the things are changing, and、uh, you know, we we love to jump on the cliches like pivoting and the new normal, but really, life has. <laughs> there's nothing really new about a pandemic. You know, we we had the Spanish flu in 1919. There's there's always been waves through history that have been disruptive to mankind, to to humankind, and so to expect anything to be different is is foolishness. And you know, I'm a student of history, and I and I kind of think everybody needs to study history、I、to to、too. see those patterns, because、uh, we. You know, we may not be able to stop it from happening again, but when we recognise it coming along, you know, there's so many doomsday people in regards to, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, you know, it's <laughs> any stage of history you can be saying that, and there's always hope. You know, there, there's there's always hope、um, when we're flexible in our thinking, and we don't have to try every new thing. But,、um, you know, we're people who are afraid of death. Uh, I often say, look, you know, are you going to die? Well, yes, but perhaps not today. You know, it's going—it's—it's the how it happens and the disruption that upsets us because of our expectations. So it's yeah, this is this is resilient thinking. It's being realistic. <laughs> it really is. It is, and、uh, yeah. So positivity is good, but it's in context, and.、Uh, Yeah. So I, yeah, I love I love where this is going, and I, I really feel like it's in sync because, you know, some people I won't interview because they are just one cliche after another, and I can't, you know, well I I could try, but I, it's it's to try and pin them down. On okay, so what does that look like? Okay, so they've breathed, they've slept, they've eaten, 
they've said, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. <laughs> and they're not happy. You know what? It's it, at some point, I mean, I'm God bless those folks who put, you know, little stickies all over their refrigerator and computers oh, and stuff. And I'm not against it. I, but. I, I am all for positive affirmations. I do them and I pray and I and I expect my prayers to be Absolutely. answered. So I'm but. not rubbishing that, but there's a bit yeah. more to it. No, but, 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 you, but they are platitudes. They are platitudes, and unless you have an I understanding, uh, and and you, to the, to do that, you need to really kind of pull in some neuroscience. You need to know how your brain thinks, yes. uh, social psychology. You need to know uh, a little bit about uh, your behaviors and 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 why you behave the way you do. Most importantly, you want to control inappropriate behaviors and unproductive responses, right? Because something's always hitting the fan and you just don't want to be sabotaged by a negative emotion. Uh, and I, I was, and, and, and psychologists, I, this is not Lorraine Quiet, but psychologists will tell you the best thing you can do is a, a address a negative emotion. As soon as it shows up, as soon yeah. as it shows up, just name it for what it is. And, and let me tell you, there's some ugly stuff going on in the brain about, you know, some of our negative emotions, whether it's anger or jealousy or, you know, whatever it happens to be. But the key is you have to be, there's only one person you really have to be honest with. And that is yourself. Because if you're trying to fool yourself about, you know, oh, that's that's not an attractive emotion. I don't really want to be known as being jealous, you know, and it's not something or whatever it is. Um, let's, um, it's there. I, I there. I want to catch you on that one because the workplace, there's in, in business, you know, as, as a business or in me as a professional speaker, I can look at other speakers and look at how well they're doing and they might even be speaking on the same topic as me and make those comparisons and it's not healthy. And in, in the workplace, in the corporate world, uh, and it's not just women, but, you know, women, both men and women can be, they might not even know that they're jealous, but they take, it's like someone gets a promotion or something happens for that person and instead of being happy for them, it's that, uh, and not only do we feel badly, we, we feel a dislike for that person, a disapproval of that person, and we, we feel that resentment. And then we might go to someone else and criticize that person with them who is also jealous. Now, a lot of people are not even aware that this is happening to them and that it's a bad thing for them. So talk to me about that, about helping people to become aware in fact you've got a quote that you that you gave me earlier uh oh it's one of my favorite quotes so, so, so jealousy true. jealousy i believe in the corporate world does more to undermine it, it's like one of the roots of what undermines teamwork and uh your own personal happiness um and leaders having difficulty with getting their people to pull together you know it's it's a really insecure thing that that's um very very common so yeah talk to me more about that you know and what's really um alarming for lack of a better word is a lot of um uh motivational speakers will even suggest that you repress 
uh, those negative emotions because it's not healthy, it's not nice, it's not whatever, you know. And of course, and the thing of it is, this is this is this is where we need neuroscience because you know the biggest part of our brain if i were to raise my fist is this this part right here it's kind of like the cerebral thinking brain this little uh -huh. thing under here is the limbic brain and that's it that houses our emotions it's small but powerful and the thinking brain really is embarrassed for lack of a better word embarrassed by some of the the junk that this little thinking brain comes up this emotional brain excuse me comes up with it's embarrassed i mean it's twisted stuff up here right but until we acknowledge it repressing those negative emotions those negative feelings uh does no good because they're still there and that little limbic brain that little that little powerful thing right there is not going to let you forget it so you can repress it all you want but it's still going to show itself and most likely at a time that's very inappropriate and unproductive for you and so psychologists neuroscientists have have concluded that really the best thing you can do first of all is just be honest honest with yourself and that is the hardest thing in the world to just acknowledge that there's this really twisted little emotion up here that's just so unflattering but it's there and so the the, the best thing you can do is um label it name it for the ugly thing that it is even though it's going to embarrass your thinking brain just label it for what it is but it's very important and david rock has done a lot of research on um this if you want to read more about it but his suggestion is uh to label it and just use one or two words don't enter into a discussion or a soliloquy about it because that just gives it power you are you are empowering it when you start talking and thinking to yourself about it acknowledge it for what it is and nip it in the bud when it first shows up because that's when it's the weakest okay so whatever your situation is that's that's the time to to, to nip it in the bud so you label it then you how do you nipple it how do you nipple it Excuse how do you me. nip it in the bud how do you nip it in the bud hmm, what do you do well, what exactly. do you say so with jealousy so we, I mean, and jealousy can come from insecurities and lack of confidence in your in yourself and so on. So what would That's you say to someone? Who, yeah, and this is where I wanted to get to. Um, I like to get to the grit. So how do you how do you take the next step with that one? Hmm. There's a couple of different ways, and I would say this is why you need to start practicing now. Yep, good. When you can, you're when you're a little bit in control of your situation rather than waiting until you're in front of a colleague who's just got promoted over you and you know you did a lot better um or could do better. Um and 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 one of the things I do that works the best for me is I just need to I need a a a, a journal in front of me. You can just right. open the vein and let it bleed all over the pages, right? But I need the and the and the best therapy truly is when you can trace back to when and how that feeling of jealousy or or um for me it was a lot growing up on a cow ranch I was so different than everybody else it was just a lack of self-esteem I mean I just didn't feel like I was worthy a sense of worthlessness really because I was so different than everybody else and coming from a cattle ranch I probably smelled a little different than everybody else at times too but the point is I was able to sort of trace that back to feelings of inadequacy and that is something that has always haunted me 
It's not fun stuff what I'm talking about. It's not fun, but you have to really go back and identify, okay, how did that ugly crap show up in the first place? And because once you start to understand that, that's why ignorance of your competition makes you vulnerable. Ignorance of yourself makes you stupid because then you're at the whim, you are at the whim of your emotion. And if it's a good emotion, that's great. If it's a bad emotion, that's not so great, but you're still uh, at the whim of that emotion. So for me, that has always been, and for other people, it's talking it through, talking it through with a counselor or a good friend or, uh, and for uh, people of faith, I think praying it through, uh, because there's one thing about God or a spirit that the spirit already, already knows what you're thinking. It knows all the crap that's in those dark little corners. And so all, but it's not judging you for it, you know, and that's really key that you don't judge yourself or you don't feel judged by simply acknowledging, uh, that you feel like you're this unwanted and person that's six years old. Well, that's exactly right. Because when, when you're jealous, you, you can't celebrate for someone who could be your friend and you, you can, you know, you might think, well, I could have done a better job than that. Mm -hmm. Or it might trigger, I'm jealous because I'm just not good enough. I'm not as good as that person. And either way, whenever you measure yourself against someone, you're going to come up. It, it, it's not an accurate reflection. And, and you not. that get that source and then talk to, you know, talk that through. Now, one of the things, and, you know, you've mentioned spirituality. One of the things that helped me tremendously because, you know, coming home, I felt smashed. I felt totally unworthy. And what right did I have to even speak to anybody and give anybody anything that they, that they might want to do? And it was just asking. Uh, and I did this while I was incarcerated a lot as well. I said, Lord, show me how to see this person. I'm, I'm feeling ugly on the inside. Mm. Show me how to see this person, how you see them. Show me the situation and show me me uh, and you will be shown yourself in a light that is much much nicer than than what you would see yourself because something even if you don't believe necessarily in, a, in, in God you're uh, you're opening up your subconscious to give you a different answer that gives you a bit more perspective that it reaches in somewhere to give you a more healthy presumably uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm well, I know it definitely does with God. And sometimes we need to um, ask forgiveness for those and maybe take our stony heart and, you know, replace it with, you know, help my heart to be better. But it's that self-awareness that allows us to take ownership of those ugly feelings and not judge ourselves for it, but get it, ask whatever you want to ask, ask for a, a, a better perspective. And then you're free to see your value because everybody's different. That person got that advantage, but you have things in you yeah. that can help you. But while you're focused on them, you're not letting what you have blossom. So jealousy is massive. And I'm really, really glad that you brought it up and you've addressed it. That's just really, really key. Not many people talk about it. No, they don't. Cause it's so, it's so, it's embarrassing. Really, like I said, the brain is really embarrassed by a lot of things that the emotional brain is feeling. So it's, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna go along with all those platitudes. Oh, just suppress it. Just pretend it's not there. You don't want to deal with that, but um, it's there. And yeah. um, 
it's and each one of us are going to have to find a, a way that works best for us to to deal with it uh but if you don't start if you don't try you'll never get any you'll never get off first base so it's hard work self-awareness is hard work um and it's not for the ego uh egocentric no this is such good stuff um it's so so good one of the other the things that you've um talked about is that you know doing this work doing this process when those ugly feelings come yeah. and because mental toughness isn't when you're mentally weak you will just give in to all of those feelings you just will you'll just think this is how i feel this is how i'm going to drift but i love what you've said to me before that the person we become will be defined by the way we overcome our struggles suffering and pain i like to see it as you will, when you get through this go through it as though in the in, go through it in the way that you're going to want to tell someone else how you went through it without being embarrassed <laughs> you know when you tell the story right. yes yeah and yeah. and and you know the thing too um trish is that i think at some point we are become more confident in ourselves that we're able to just acknowledge that yeah that that is emotion I, i wish i didn't feel that way or or i wish that my house looked as nice as that one or my best friend just got a new house or, i swear it's worse with young women who are getting married and they're just bragging about their fiancés or their engagement rings or their new houses or whatever and it's just like uh you know it, it um but they get they get juice from that too right it's like i'm better than you i've got more than you do and so you know we 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 need to be more gentle with one another but um i think we do yeah, yeah. you've got to have some wisdom and sensitivity around people and that's not to apologize for your own success or be embarrassed about it yeah. but we do need to be tactful and sensible because you can you know things change very very quickly yeah they do <laughs> they very, do very, They yeah, so that's brilliant. Wow. Um some other things that you've said that um and on you know on a more upwardly positive note of gaining ground that you know we can't be afraid of failure so that we stop whether it leads you know, Well, you know Uh, this is what i thought uh, this is my uh, deep uh, rooted feeling about um uh, what what it requires to have mental toughness and grit and 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 i alluded to it earlier but um it requires a an intrinsic desire to go beyond what can easily be achieved with skill or talent right it requires a deep sense of purpose because we believe our work is worth it uh so if forced to work this hard you know we could put in the minimum and call it good and and to be honest with you that's where most folks land they may be skilled but they don't have grit because their heart isn't in it and that's the difference they're not motivated to go beyond what can easily be achieved with their talent so success is where most of us stop whether or not it's taking us where we want to go in life so right. if you develop grit and mental toughness you have to connect to your higher purpose and um and purpose will require you to discover value in yourself going right back to what we were talking about it requires you to find value in yourself and discover how you can make a contribution to the world around you what are you going to do with this gift that's called life you know and we each of us have a different 
we each have a different gift, but we need to use that in some way to help other other people. Um, and again, it's to me, it's it's all about values. I, I will go back to the story I started with with the undercover yeah. operation. Values, honesty, and integrity. I tell you, values give us they give us a reason to keep going, and values give us a direction to keep going. And I'll have to say, I want you to know. Um, I knew the FBI was the right move for me, and I'll tell you why. Internally, FBI stands for Federal Bureau of Investigation. FBI stands for fidelity, bravery, and integrity. And something fell into place after that was after I actually was sworn in that I even found that out, because those are the values that are important to me. Well, then that was a good match. Well, Larae Kwai, what a great chat that we've had. It's just so been so helpful and delving into with um, the emotions and our self-esteem and those things to do with the brain that will help us to be stronger in those exercises. And, and you've had that training and you've shared some really practical, brilliant strategies with us. And I just want to say thank you for being with us. And once again, if you would like to know more, if you would like to visit Lorraine Kwai's website, it is her name, Lorraine Kwai, L-A-R-A-E-Q-U-Y.com. You can see it there. You would like to go there, get her book, uh, do the assessment. And also, if you are part of a corporation, have her come in and talk to your staff about being mentally tough. Talk to your leadership about being mentally tough. And uh, if you would like to have me come along and speak on resilience, courage and leadership and share my um, what I'd that my prison journey and the rebuild after that, then uh, by all means, get in touch with me. And uh, I just want to say thank you so oops, hang on. Thank you so much, Lorraine, for for being on the show today. It is an absolute pleasure and it's just been wonderful to be in touch with you again. Thank you, Trish. I've loved this conversation. Thank you. And thank you for all you're doing for your viewers. Oh, it's just it's just a thrill. I just love, love, love what I do. I get access to so many great people like yourself and I get to benefit and share and, and uh, you know, do my bit to fulfill purpose and make the world a better place and equip people in the season that we're in. That's, That's all any of us can do. We don't have to change the world. We just need to change or participate in this part of the world that we've been placed. So that's, it's a lot. So awesome. So if you have enjoyed this, please like, comment, share, subscribe. That would be really fantastic. And uh, I hope we'll see you next time on uh, Trish TV. All right. Bless you heaps, everybody.